On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Hello, hello. Welcome in. I'm Dominic Catronio. Well, since the last time we spoke, we've had an event canceled, a new uh, academy opened to the Dominican, 35 new brewers in the organization, and a whole lot of snow on the ground. Uh, thanks for joining us here on this Thursday night. Jam-packed show for you here today. We're going to get into a little bit of regularity here for the next couple of weeks, live here tonight on Thursday. Also, the next two Thursdays, we will be live with no Bucks interruptions. Then uh, our next Wednesday show won't be until February 7th, so keep all of that in mind. We do know report dates, by the way, as well. Pitchers and catchers will report on February 14th, the first workout on the 15th for the Brewers, which thus makes the first on-field workout the 20th for the Brewers. Their position player report date is the 19th, so get your uh, spring training plans all lined up. I've got mine planned out. I will see you down there in the warm, emphasis on warm, Valley of the Sun. Here's a little bit about today's show. Up next, we're going to hear from Dan Zimborski. If you listened to last week's show, we talked a lot about projections, talked a lot about zips, and what that meant for the Brewers, the new projections. And again, I encourage you to read up on zips if it's the first time you're hearing about this or listen to last week's show. Did our best to break all of that down. So we talked to the guy who came up with zips, Dan Zimborski, senior writer of Fangraphs. He had some really great insight. That'll be over the next couple of segments. We're going to talk a little Hall of Fame because this is our last show before the Hall of Fame announcement on Tuesday, and then we will react to it next week as well. I've got some thoughts. I've got my own ballot, if I had one, which I do not. I am not a member of the Baseball Writers Association. Also going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the offseason. Here we are, you know, more than halfway through January, and the marquee free agents that aren't Shohei Otani and, uh, you know, Yoshinobu Yamamoto has still not been signed. And why is that happening? So we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up a little bit later as well. So we're going to burn a break here early in the show. If you want to join us, it is 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talking text line. You can tweet me as well, at Dom underscore Catronio. we got more to come. Dan Zimborski on the other side of this break on WTMJ. Welcome back on Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio. If you listened to last week's show, uh, I reminded you how much of a nerd I am, and I am joined by the guy that made me a nerd, Dan Zimborski <laughs> of Fangraphs, the Zips Projections. First and foremost, Dan, thanks for being here. Congrats. 20 years of Zips, man. Time really does fly, huh? Yeah, it makes me feel old, though. I was once one of the young guys in Sabermetrics along with Dave Cameron, and now I see some of the young guys, and I'm easily old enough to be their dad, so it's it's a little depressing in a way. <laughs> it happens fast. I mean, shoot, I lost all my hair young, and... People still think I'm pushing 40. I'm like, no, nah, I'm actually pushing 30, man. So it's all good. Uh, the, the the Zips projections, you know, you'll have the standings come out in the, in the next couple of weeks as rosters eventually start getting stabilized here. Who knows what's happening? But talking specifically to the Brewers, there's nothing in here I think that's shocking to Brewers fans. They need pop. They didn't have any pop last year. And as the roster stands right now, Zips kind of agrees. There's really not much pop to come, is there? No, I, if they are going to add 
some actual offense to the lineup. I don't think it's going to come from within. If, if you're going to upgrade at first base or DH, you're going to have to sign one of those mid-tier free agents that are still kind of kicking around, you know, someone like Jorge Soler or something. Uh, I, I, I just don't see, and I don't think Zips really sees them getting enough offense from those positions, which, again, I don't think is a surprise. It's a pretty obvious thing, I think. It's it's. Nothing new. Everyone's asking me every day what's going on at first base, what's going on at first base. So it, it's it's to be determined, obviously. But I, I, looking at some of these projections and looking at these 50th percentiles, these 20s, these 80s, I mean, Corbin Burns is still so darn good. And I think, first of all, I think a lot of people in baseball take it for granted. Yes, it wasn't quite dominance like we saw from Corbin Burns last year as opposed to 2021. But yet, He's still one of the best pitchers in baseball, according to Zips. Yeah, he's an easy ace of a rotation. Uh, he's going to make a lot of money very, very soon. A little too soon for Brewers fans, I imagine. Uh, but there's no particular reason to worry about him. He wasn't. When you expect a pitcher to repeat their peak season, you will tend to be disappointed. Uh, it's just this is how pitchers are. And and you look at the numbers from last year for a guy like. William Contreras, uh, who Zips kind of undervalued a year ago. Granted, he got a little bit of a boost from his framing numbers this year, but still, in my opinion, he was the most important offensive player on the Brewers last year. Zips still likes him this year. Where do, where do you see it shaking out with William from a year ago to this year, uh, just from an offensive point of view? Well, from an offensive point of view, whenever you have a guy who's playing at a star level, uh, people don't like to face the idea. But generally speaking, stars are not as consistent as you might expect. When someone has a big year that doesn't like reset where their baseline expectation is, he's still going to be terrific. Uh, one reason Zips is, I wouldn't say low on him, but a little less bullish than some, is simply because framing numbers are still kind of uncertain uh, when you talk year to year. Uh, if he repeats them in, in 2024, he'll have probably a big bump in that department in 2025 because once you're doing it for two years in a row, that's a pretty big deal. We're chatting with Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs and of the Zips projections. We broke all that down in last week's show. All that info is in the uh, links in the bio as well. So I want to get into a little bit of the process here, Dan. And in specifically, I think a lot of eyes went straight to the projection for a guy like Jackson Churio, a guy who has not played one minute in Major League Baseball, made a little cup of coffee in AAA last year. How does Zips get that data? What is your process for projecting a guy that, again, doesn't have any big league data? Well, obviously, you prefer big league data, uh, but what it comes down to is the minors are easier than the majors, obviously, but it's still baseball, and it's still relatively the same sport. It's not drastically different, and we have a lot of information now you know, for decades and half a century of how minor leaguers fare on coming to the majors, how major leaguers fare when they go back down to the minors. And we have a good idea of how good he is. And while his projection isn't, you know, super exciting at this moment, it's also because he's just I mean, he's he hasn't quite turned 20 yet. Uh, when you when you go out uh, a number of years uh, uh, when you talk about what he's going to be like at 23, 24, 25, there's some pretty big numbers in there. Uh, Zips projects him to be, you know, a 40 to 50 war player right now, just as like the over under. And that is a really good player. So even though Zips is only projecting him to be kind of a, a league averages, pl average ish player this year, that's simply because he, he's played very little in AAA. He was like there for like a week. Uh, he's still 
you know, honing his game to speak, but he's phenomenally talented and has just a massive upside. He's going to be really fun to watch, and I, I love uh, the swagger he's got. I saw him a lot in spring training last year, and like it kind of really opened my eyes to what he's capable of. And another guy that doesn't get nearly as much pub that deserves a lot of, you know, recognition. Now he's not a Jackson Churio. He's not going to be signing an eight-year deal anytime soon. Tyler Black. Zips really likes Tyler Black, and in, and in the 50th percentile, you know, projections, they had him third on the team and on base percentage. What what do you see, and why did Zips like Tyler Black so much as opposed to maybe some of the other young prospects on this team? Well, one thing when you look at his record is he has excellent plate discipline, uh, especially for today. But you could put him back in the 80s, and he'd have really good plate discipline for the era. Uh, that kind of player kind of has a relatively high floor because drawing walks is a skill. Uh, and when you're drawing walks, there's only so low that that on-base percentage can go. Uh, you obviously wouldn't want him to hit, say, 220, but even at 220, he's probably a useful player in the major simply because he does draw walks. He does have what should be decent uh, isolated power, especially when we talk doubles. And, you know, when you talk about players who are 22, 23, a lot of those doubles turn into home runs. So there's a lot to like uh, about him, and hopefully the Brewers will find a, a role for him as quickly as possible because he has a lot more upside, I think, than some of their options in the infield. They've been playing him all over in his days in the minor leagues. And, you know, Pat Murphy a couple of weeks ago on an appearance on foul territory might have slipped and hinted that he could play a little bit of first base, too. So that remains all to be seen. Hey, we're going to take a quick breather. We're going to have more with Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs after this. You're listening to the Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. All right, we've got more with our conversation with Dan Zimborski, senior writer for Fangraphs, the creator of the Zips projections, and how he comes to these calculations and what it means for the Brewers in 2024. I want to get into a little bit of the process, too, because you're still able to create projections for guys that were injured, for a guy like an Aaron Ashby, for a guy like Joe Ross, for a guy that missed a little bit of time last year and a lot more time in 2022 in Wade Miley. How are injuries calculated into zips, and what do you foresee with the guys that you know miss a lot of time and are suddenly able to uh, maybe meet or exceed those expectations? Well, there are always limits in any projection system because projection systems aren't they don't see the the x-rays of a player or the or the uh, or the cat scans or the MRIs <laughs> uh, so obviously there's there are limitations there, but we also have a lot of good information on what happens when players miss time due to injury, for example, Tommy John surgery at this point is almost i wouldn't say a a a a daily run of the mill uh procedure, but we have had a lot of pictures coming back from Tommy John surgery and have an idea of what they do when they'll get back, how long until their innings kind of increase. Uh, we have a lot of data for, say, hitters that have wrist injuries. They tend to have short-term declines in power when they come back. Uh, so we have a lot of information about that, and Zips uses it kind of, you know, in a generalized fashion. It doesn't quite know how one shoulder injury that costs a hitter three months differs from another shoulder injury that costs three months. But it it it, it can make I guess a guesstimate would be a reasonable way to go about it. There's always going to be uncertain when it comes to injuries, and that's even for a team that knows the medical records better than anyone. And every team sort of approaches their comeback from injuries differently, Mm -hmm. too, right? So maybe a guy is limited on innings. Maybe a guy only gets to work once a week, things of that nature. And that kind of 
pigeon like moving to a different direction here with the once a week thing, you're able to project some of the Japanese players that are coming across who are going from pitching once a week, like we saw last year with Kodai Senga, and who we're going to see this year in this division with Shota Imanaga. So where does how does teams, you know, I don't know if they're using zips per se or their own version of zips per se, but are are you able to use foreign players' numbers like you would for minor league players' numbers, or how does that calculation all happen? Uh, zips zips does, uh, and some teams use zips. Uh, some team also, some teams also use Brian Cartwright's information because he does uh, translations as well. Uh, it's again, it's not as deep as what we have for minor leaguers, but at this point uh, in 2024, we have a lot of information of of how Japanese players fare coming over here, how our players fear fare going over there. Uh, there's there have been a lot of minor leaguers over there, and that does give us useful information about how a AAA player uh, reacts to to playing in NPB, which is a a tougher league than AAA. So we have a good idea. It's not perfect, and I think the error bars are la- are larger simply because of there's more uncertainty. But in, at the end of the day, it's the same game, and we have a lot of history to draw on at this point. Again, we're chatting with Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs right now. So Dan. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I know we're getting ahead of the gun here, but, you know, you're going to have the standings projections here the next couple of weeks. You've got the whole National League done. you got a couple more to do in the uh, American League. But, you know, just from maybe a, a higher scope here of just looking at what you've already projected and what Zips has said before the standings even come out, what, what do you see in the NL Central as things stand right now? Well, right now it's it's kind of a little Operation Chaos in the NL Central because <laughs> really – the, the top four teams, it wouldn't be the least bit surprising for any of them to win the division. Even the Cardinals, which I'm sure not a lot of people are happy to hear about, but they're probably a better team than they were in 2023. And even the Pirates winning the division wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. It's unlikely, for sure. But the the NL Sanctuary does not really have a juggernaut team. Uh, and I think when you look at, at, at the Reds, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Cubs, there are all scenarios for those four teams where they win 80 games or where they, where they win 90 games. And 90 games is has a good shot of making the playoffs, either by winning the NL Central or getting a wild card spot. So I think the Brewers, I don't think their offseason should be done, but they shouldn't be unhappy with where they are. They still get pretty solid pitching projections and that's both zips and uh jared cross's steamer even without you know brandon woodruff because truth is they only had him like for what 11 starts last year so we're kind of already missing two-thirds of of brandon woodruff uh i i do think first base and dh are probably issues to talk about and the good thing is there are options out there for first base dh uh so that's a good luxury because this has not been a very deep uh free agent crop, so to speak, uh, uh, when you talk about position players. But those DH types, they're out there still. It's certainly something that the Brewers are trying to figure out with about a month to go before pitchers and catchers report. And now this this is what I'm going to leave you with here, Dan. I've been kind of in the year of education here. I'm trying to you know, make make our baseball fans a little bit smarter one step along the way. And my goal this year is to maybe force feed isn't the right word, but you know, I'm just trying to educate the world on, on the beauty of WOBA as opposed to OPS. Uh, I'm trying to educate the world on FIP as opposed to ERA. Is there any sort of uh, advice or any sort of uh, knowledge that you can pass along to help fans become better educated baseball fans heading into 2024? 
Uh, some some other analytics people get mad at me, but I don't even hate OPS all that much. <laughs> OPS is not bad. It doesn't make sense from a mathematical standpoint, but sometimes a simpler answer is better than a complicated one. And some people might find that weird coming from me, but I always am a believer in using the simplest tool for the job. Uh, when people say FIP, it's like they're always like, "Why is this? Why are you using this?" It's it's an estimate. But the thing is, for a picture. Everything is kind of an estimate. The only reason ERA exists is because someone decided in 1880 to assign everything that happened, unless there was a vaudevillian-style mishap, to charge that to the picture. And we know that's not true. Uh, so FIP and Baseball References uh, attempts to adjust ERA for defense. We're not trying to change numbers or make it so that baseball isn't played on the field. We're just trying to address the limitations in our stats to get a better description of what actually happened because stats themselves are only as useful, only useful to the extent they describe the things that happened. Uh, and tools like FIP or whatever you see, the uh, StatCast X stats or Sierra or whatever are simply there to kind of give us a, just a better look at the truth that you can never quite answer. It's it's played on the field, and then we react to it with stats, and not all stats are predictive. And sometimes, you know, I think guys uh, or fans, I should say, treat guys like you and me who see the game in a different light that obviously have never got between the chalk. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe they sometimes think that we're trying to ruin the game. We're not. We're just trying to analyze it in a more critical fashion. Yeah, I I would never want to ruin baseball. I love writing about baseball. I being a baseball writer is much more fun than working in in finance. Um, maybe not quite as lucrative, but <laughs> I I love baseball and I've always lived baseball, and that's how I got interested in all this stuff. You and me both. All right, Dan Zimborski joining us here on WTMJ. Thank you so much for your time, Dan. Congrats again on another year of Zips projections, and uh, hopefully we'll see you down the road. All right. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll be back with more after this on Brewers Weekly. It's a little more complicated than that. We're going to talk a little bit about what is going on with Valley Sports and Amazon. You may have seen the headlines yesterday. Welcome back. I'm Dominic Catronio. 855-616-1620 is the WTMJ talking text line again. 855-616-1620. So... What happened yesterday? Let me just, I'm going to try to talk about this as normally of a human as I can, right? I don't want to get lost in the Lego mumbo jumbo and the jargon and everything that goes on there. Reminder of where we stood heading into yesterday. Right now, Sinclair, aka Diamond Sports, Diamond Sports is the subsidy of Sinclair. They are owned by Sinclair. That runs regional sports networks. That runs Bally Sports. They broadcast the NBA. They broadcast the NHL. And, of course, they broadcast Major League Baseball. They're bankrupt. They filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy a couple of years ago. And they've been continuing with these proceedings. And they were getting sued by Sinclair. And it gets really messy with all that stuff. But the point is, they're bankrupt. And they're out of money. And they're trying to figure out how to make good on all these payments that they owe these teams to continue to broadcast for them here in 2024. You may have seen last year, in the middle of the year, both the Diamondbacks and the Padres overnight were no longer on Valley Sports. They were on their own MLB-produced 
uh, in-house network feeds, and it really trimmed down on the pre- and post-game shows. It really changed the access. It was available for free on local cable. It was available for a discounted MLB TV price in the market without blackouts and things of that nature. That could be in the future for three teams. The Texas Rangers, the Cleveland Guardians, and the Minnesota Twins. The Twins is an interesting story because their deal had already run out at the end of 2023, and they're in the process of negotiating. The thing about that one is that Bally's North headquarters is in Minneapolis. Like A lot of the Brewers' broadcasts are done from Minneapolis, so I don't see them disagreeing on that. But they're trying to readjust their fee, their payment to the Guardians and to the Rangers to be lower than what they had committed for. And naturally, the team's like, wait a minute, no, you signed the dotted line. You owe us this money. So this brings us to yesterday. Yesterday, the news was that Amazon, yes, that Amazon, stepped in as a minority owner of Diamond Sports Group creating an investment in the nine-figure range with a chance to add more money down the road. I don't know what you're thinking. Dom, what what does this mean? Does this mean we're going to watch Brewers games on Amazon Prime this year? Do I need to have Jeff Bezos' subscription to watch Brewers baseball? Not yet. Let me explain. As I've talked about before on this show, the Brewers are in a better position than most when it comes to television rights do they make as much money from the tv rights as other teams no that is still one of the smaller rights fees but that's because it's the smallest market in baseball but the reason why they're in such a good spot is as i've mentioned before their streaming rights the fact that the streaming rights are already part of the current package you can get valley sports wisconsin standalone to just watch the brewers and bucks you can do that because they own the streaming rights Whereas other teams, there are six other teams that do not have the streaming rights. There are only five teams that do right now, and uh, they're in the process of doing that. So in theory, there's another hearing coming up February 1st as they comb through all of this stuff that was just dumped on them yesterday. In theory, for the 2024 season, if something goes wrong with Diamond and they go belly up with the other six teams that don't have streaming rights, those teams are belly up, at least the, the broadcast side of it, and Major League Baseball has to step in like they did for the Padres and for the Diamondbacks. However, this initial investment by Amazon means that there would be streaming capabilities for these five teams, including the Brewers. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. There's already an agreement in place for Bally Sports to continue as it is for the 2024 season. So don't get ahead of yourself here thinking, all right, I need to get Amazon Prime because that means the Brewers are going to be on Amazon Prime. No, that's not a slam dunk yet. And I know what you're thinking. Again, does this mean blackouts are over? I don't know yet. I, I, I truly don't know. Here's the, the two levers that I see with this, and I tweeted this earlier this week. Somebody asked me that same question. On one hand, let's say you know Diamond does indeed fold. All the streaming rights go to Amazon for this initial investment. And Amazon says, don't worry. We got you. Amazon Prime is your way to watch. You don't even need cable anymore. You can watch the Brewers on Amazon Prime. Cool. That would mean you're not blacked out because you're watching it on the Internet. Because it's not available on cable. But on the flip side of that, the other lever is the other owners. All the other owners who pool this money with revenue revenue sharing and understanding 
the money and how it all works out with their rights deals. Like, you know, we t- we've talked about the Dodgers deal and how they're able to afford all these guys. The Red Sox have a very different deal than much. There's, there's a dispute between the Nationals and the Orioles on Masson. Uh, there's, I can go on and on and on about all these different regional networks. The Mariners are running out of money. But all these other teams that don't have the streaming rights could sit here like, wait a minute. They aren't subject to blackouts, but we are? No, no, no. They're going to be subjected to blackouts because the owners have the final say on this, quite frankly. It gets very complicated. But let me be, you know, Barack Obama, let me be clear. The the season upcoming is likely going to be on Valley Sports Wisconsin. And unless something crazy happens... You will not need an Amazon Prime account to watch the Brewers. But Amazon is trying to step in and say, we want to have, we want to get into the RSN game, right? They already got into the NFL game. Now they want to get into the RSN game. They already broadcast Yankees games on Yes. On a very frequent basis. Like once a week. So it's, it's something that you, they have done this before. And your day to day isn't going to change. You know, your the crew is still going to be the same. The announcer is still going to be the same. It's just going to be on a different channel. So that's my, in layman's terms, nothing is decided. This was just a bombshell yesterday, literally in the court hearing. And Major League Baseball was sitting here like, this wasn't your homework, but we'll look over this because now we have homework. We'll see you again on February 1st, and that's where we stand now. You do not need Amazon Prime to watch the Brewers. The Brewers should still be on Valley Sports Wisconsin. You can still buy Bally Sports Wisconsin streaming alone, but still, if you buy MLB TV, you will still be blacked out from the Brewers in the Brewers market, which is dumb, which is dumb. I will say that, but I, I can't fix that. I'm just a radio guy, okay? Where are you turning to 620 WTM, Oh, you no to Bob Euchre, of course. Uh, that's all what happened yesterday. Let's take a breather. We're going to talk a little bit about a Hall of Fame. We talk about the uh, the ballot is going to be revealed. The final vote, anyway, should be revealed on Tuesday. Uh, this is our last show before that. So here's what my ballot looks like coming up next on WTMJ. Let's get your Hall of Fame primer all squared away. I'm Dominic Catronio. Welcome back. Let's talk about what's to come on Tuesday. Of course, uh, Milwaukee's favorite, Gary Sheffield. It's his last year on the ballot. Uh, we'll see. We'll get into him here in just a moment. The headliners for the first time on the ballot, of course, Adrian Beltre, uh, Joe Maurer, first-timer on the ballot as well. Also the first time for a couple of NL East guys in Chase Hutley and David Wright. Let me just go ahead and start with a rant. Adrian Beltre is a unanimous Hall of Famer, you idiots. You idiots. I can't believe this is so hard for people who have covered baseball as long as they have. Now, the vast 99, 99% of you have got this right. But there will be a few more ballots that come out on Tuesday that don't have enough. A few already have taken him off the ballot. And then there was that one guy a couple of years ago when Mariano Rivera got in, refused to vote for anybody because he refused to vote for a closer. You're an idiot. Same with the people that didn't vote for Derek Jeter. You're an idiot. Same with the people that didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr. You're an idiot. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I know that's harsh, and I know that's mean, but I would say that to your face, too. That's dumb. I, I'm, there's no reason you can make. There's none. So, let me read you Adrian Beltre, okay? 
Over 3,000 hits. Okay. 477 home runs. A career 819 OPS. Five-time gold glover. Two-time platinum glover. Four-time silver slugger. One of the best Dominican corner infielders of all time. It is no question. No question. He's a Hall of Famer. I digress. Let me get into the rest of this battle. Because he's going to get in. There's no doubt. He's in. I mean, he's at 98.9% right now on Ryan Thibodeau's ballot tracker. He has a great account, not Mr. Tibbs, uh, on Twitter. But I talked about it briefly a couple weeks ago. I think Joe Maurer is the first ballot Hall of Famer. I know there's questions about, you know, his whole career wasn't genuinely as a catcher. People are, you know, like batting titles aren't really all that great. Look, he he was one of the best players in baseball during his peak. His peak looks identical to Buster Posey's without the titles. It's a team game. Joe Maurer is a first ballot Hall of Famer in my eyes. Todd Helton is in his sixth year on the ballot. It's going to be close, both for him and Maurer. It's going to be close. Both of them are currently tracking at 83% on the known ballots. We're still less than half of the known ballots just a few days away. So generally speaking, these always drop when it comes to the actual final vote because these are the voters that aren't public or aren't really caring about having their ballot become public. But if I had a vote, this is how it would go. Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer. I'm ready to put Carlos Beltran in, even with his uh, involvement with the uh, Astro sign stealing scandal. One of the best switch hitters of all time. I'm in on Billy Wagner. I want him to be a Hall of Famer. I understand why people shake their head at it, but I'm in favor of getting that, you know, getting more positional versatility in. Best strikeouts per nine rate of all time. Yes, it was a less than 1,000 innings. The regular season was one of the best closers of all time. We all know how the postseason went. I think Andrew Jones, Andrew Jones should be a, a Hall of Famer. I, I, I understand that the decline was steep, but now that Scott Rowland is in, it shouldn't be a question. Andrew Jones should be in the Hall of Fame. And I lean, you know what, I've come around on this. Gary Sheffield probably should be a Hall of Famer. It's tough. Yes, he was linked to Balco. Yes, he was linked to steroids. But now there are multiple guys in the Hall of Fame that are also linked to steroids. I would have voted for Barry Bonds, too, even before all the Balco stuff. He was a Hall of Famer. I understand why there's momentum with him. And then, you remember, you get 10 votes. I would add two more. I want Francisco Rodriguez in the Hall of Fame. I really do. And then my last vote would be for Todd Helton. I get it. The numbers speak for themselves. He had an incredible WRC Plus away from Coors. He had the best WRC Plus during his era away from Coors Field. That, that, there's some great stats on there. Again, go to Fangraphs. They have great stuff there. The Hall of Very, Very Good for me is Bobby Abreu, Mark Burley, Andy Pettit, Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, David Wright, and Torrey Hunter. You guys are loved watching you play. You're in the Hall of Very, Very Good. And I still think... That is one great honor. So I don't have a vote, so nobody cares. Uh, let me get to the phone lines here real quick before we take uh, another break here. James on the south side, be quick. You're live on Brewers Weekly. Yes. Uh, with uh, Colbert, uh, with the uh, pitcher, Williams, and the other player that uh, just uh, negotiated this final year of their contracts, how do you, how do you feel about them uh, uh, performing this year? Do you feel that they're going to really um, perform? Just the average perform, or just don't care because uh, they're not going to be with the Brewers uh, up and uh, 
once they finish this year, they're going to be somewhere else? It's a good question. I, in Corbin's case in particular, he hasn't missed a start other than for COVID since he became a starter in 2020. So I believe in him posting every day like he should. Furthermore, you got to prove you can do it, right? This is, this is the prove it year to go get paid. So there's more incentive for a guy like Corbin Burns to go get his money. You know, I've been told by people that some of the motivation for Corbin last year when he was sent back out for a sixth, sent back out for a seventh, sent back out for an eighth, like, go get it. Go prove it. We know we're not going to be able to afford you. Go get yours. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of that this year. For Devin Williams, there are incentives in his contract to pitch better for the 2025 season, right? He's already at a base salary for 2025 at $11 million, and there can be incentives added on to that based on his performance this year. There is still plenty to pitch for for both of those guys in the 2024 season. And as we know in the NL Central, things are pretty wacky. So anything is possible. Appreciate the question, James. i got another text I'm going to get to there in, on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Our final segment of Brews Weekly after this. Welcome back. Let me get to this text here from the 262. We're in our final few minutes of the show. This one, FYI, I, fi- I highly doubt that even if some or all of Bally Sports gets carried through Amazon Prime, that Amazon is just going to, quote-unquote, include the local sports broadcast with Prime for no additional cost. I'm quite certain that they'll create some sort of new subscription, perhaps with a discount of billed annually versus monthly, perhaps not any or much cheaper than Bally's current $25 a month subscription for each local market. You're not wrong. I, I, I think that's going to happen. But this leads me to a rant again. Let me. This is something I've been trying to wrestle with because I'm, you know, I don't have cable. Okay, I don't have YouTube TV because they don't have Bally, and they don't have an OMB network. Okay, so here I am paying a la carte for my channels. I pay for Paramount. I pay for Peacock. I pay uh, for uh, the ESPN bundle with Hulu and Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. Okay, and. You know, if if you throw in Max on there too, which I don't pay for Max, the you know that there's your your four live sports channels. I'm not even including Netflix on that. That's roughly seventy dollars a month right there if you bill it annually. So then, if you get YouTube TV, which again doesn't include RSNs, that's about seventy five dollars a month annually, and that's not even including Sunday pick Sunday Ticket, which is an add on package for people who watch football. And I don't really watch football, so. Okay, well, why would I pay for both? I'm just going to pick one or the other. And then I'm like, well, then maybe I should just get like Sling TV, right? Well, Sling TV doesn't give you all the regions, but again, it comes out to about $80 per month annually. So I'm like, well, I might as well just get a la carte and do what I've been doing anyway. And then you're like, well, maybe I should just get cable. And then like DirecTV or Spectrum, they're all over $100 a month. So my my question to you, Texter, and to consumers around the world, as somebody who works in both booths, in both the radio booth and the television booth behind the scenes... What what do you want? Because it's there's a payment, right? You used to get the newspaper every morning because you paid to subscribe for the newspaper. You used to be able to, you know, generation, my generation, look, I'm 29 years old. My generation grew up with cable. We're used to having cable because it was affordable. You can bundle it with your home phone and your home security. Obviously, consumer habits change. But we're so used to our parents paying for it, and now we're the ones paying for it, and all of a sudden we're trying to change everything. You know, my generation and Gen Z, they want to watch live sports. They really do. And they will go through every hoop imaginable to do it. They will use illegal streams like Stream East. There are websites for this. You can use a VPN, which people will do. And pay for a VPN 
but they won't pay for an a la carte channel or a subscription. So this is where I get to this point. I get that. You're a consumer. You can do whatever the heck you want. But I come to this point where nothing in this world is free. There is no such thing as a free lunch. That was what my high school economics teacher told me, one of my favorite teachers ever, and it's true. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Okay, there are payment for goods and services. I still believe the answer to all of this is if Major League Baseball would wake up and lift blackouts. Truly, it would make things so much easier because then more people would subscribe to MLB TV, which I know is $120 you know, annually for that, right? It's still worth it. You get every single game. Less than a dollar a game if you watch 162 right. games. 120 a month, I should say. So it's oh. a lot of money. Oh. The point is, if I'm an out-of-market Brewers fan, that makes sense, and now I get every single game. If I'm an in-market Brewers fan, I'm getting blacked out. There's no chance I'm going to pay for that. Then I have to go to the $25 a month Bally to get two things, Bucks and Brewers. That's, that's just not a return on my investment. So I see a light at the end of the tunnel where if I'm paying, I don't think it's going to be $25 a month more, but if I'm paying another $9.99 a month on my Amazon Prime to get local sports, and let's be honest, it's probably not going to just stop with the Brewers. They have bigger ideas. Maybe you're going to get NFL on top of that. Maybe you're going to be able to get uh, other, maybe Bucks will eventually be on there. Maybe more sports will be on there. One of my favorite things about ESPN Plus is I can watch hockey on there. Okay? This is the early goings of this. There's a lot to figure out. This won't be solved by the end of the year. 2025 is still very murky. Forbes reported on this. AP reported on this. Everything looks murky for 2025. But what we're talking about right now is what happens if Diamond runs out of money in 2024. And these five teams, the Brewers being one of them, the streaming rights are already available to Amazon, so there will be an easy transition for them. You know, you keep the crews in place. Uh, I, I imagine there would be an over-the-air station that would pick them up, maybe like a CBS or an NBC, whatever. But it would be available on Amazon Prime. There's a lot to figure out. Another hearing again on February 1st. So maybe we'll learn more after that hearing as well. Maybe we'll uh, get Evan Drellick here on the program here and or Maury Brown on here to talk about it for the people that those guys are way smarter than you and I, and they can help break it down for all of us. Just lift the blackouts. It'll be so much easier. Think about your friends in Iowa who are blacked out from six different teams. That's a crock of you-know-what, man. That, that's brutal. You, you don't even have a Major League Baseball team. They come to do the Field of Dreams game every year, and yet if you wanted to watch the Cubs, or if you wanted to watch the Brewers, or if you wanted to watch the Cardinals, if you wanted to watch the White Sox, if you wanted to watch the Twins, if you wanted to watch the Royals, you can't. You're blacked out. That's brutal. That's stupid. You wonder why we got in this position? It's because of stuff like that. So hopefully we can all wake up and figure out what to do with that. Okay, hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the snow falling right now. For our producer, Matt Sossler, I'm Dom Catronio. Until next time, keep on swinging.